Father, we thank you for this morning. And we thank you that we can stand before you and say, all hail King Jesus, Lord of heaven and earth, Savior of my heart. All hail King Jesus. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your just presence here with us. We thank you that we can come and we can just be with you, that we can worship you, that you give us that freedom that we can just come in and be with you. You are a personal king, and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray this morning that as we hear your words spoken to us, God, that you would just have your way in our heart. Do what you need to do in us, Lord. We love you, and we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So next Sunday is our last day with Matt, uh, with uh, Philip and Sarah. So after church next Sunday, we are going to have a we are going to have a goodbye, love you, see you later party at uh, Justin and Natalie Gass's house. They got plenty of parking, plenty of shade. And plenty of space that you can live without a mask. If you choose to, you can live without a mask. Matthew 24. We're also taking up a love offering. I hadn't mentioned that. So be sure to give generously to to, uh, help them with any expenses they're going to have on their move. And also just to say we love you. Matthew 24 verse 9. So there's the temple's not there. We've learned about that. There's lots of deception going on. We have learned about that. There's wars and rumors of wars. There's earthquakes. There's pestilences. There's famines. It's all taking place across our world. Now, in verse 8, Jesus said, this is only birth pains. There's more to come. That's really uplifting, isn't it? This is only birth pains. There's more to come. So the things that we are reading, the uh, signs of the times, we can see here that it's going to increase in intensity And it's going to increase in number. It is going to happen over and over and over again. Then he says in verse 9, then after the birth pains are over, this is when it's really going to heat up. And this is one of the things to look forward to that you really need to get ready when you see this taking place. Then you will be arrested. Now, do you know anyone that's been arrested because of their faith in Christ? If you do, raise your hand. I'm just curious. Anyone know anyone that's arrested because of their faith in Christ? Okay. So maybe we've got a ways to go yet. You will be arrested. You will be persecuted. Does anybody know anybody that's been persecuted because of their faith in Christ? couple more. Good. All right. So maybe we need to start getting ready a little bit. 
Do you know anybody that's been killed because of their faith in Christ? Do you know anybody personally? No, we don't know anybody personally. So we don't know anybody personally that's been arrested. We do know a few people that's been persecuted for their faith in Christ, but we don't know anybody that's been killed because of their faith in Christ. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Does anybody know anyone that's hated? Raise your hand if you know anybody that's hated. There's a little more. There's some hate. We've experienced a little hate, I guess, because our faith in Christ, because of Christ. He says, you will be hated all over the world because of me. Now, if we were in China, they would have a different perspective of this verse. If we were in Yemen, they would have a different perspective of this verse. If we were in Iran, there would be a different perspective on this verse. If we were in India, Sri Lanka, if we were in Afghanistan, if we were in Pakistan, if we were in Nepal, if we were in Burkina Faso, if we were in the Sudan, if we were in Egypt, if we were in Libya, if we were in Morocco today, if we were in Tunisia, if we were in Liberia, if we were in the Congo, if we were in Nigeria, if we were in Mozambique, if we were in Madagascar today, if we were somewhere else other than what is known as the Western world, there would be a different response to this scripture. That's why it's really important that we learn to not just look through scripture through this Western mindset that we have. Because... If the gospel is not the gospel everywhere, it's not the gospel here. And we've got to look at it in that perspective. So, we may not be getting killed today. We may not be getting arrested today. We may not, by comparison, really be able to say that we're persecuted from our perspective here in the United States of America. But when you look at the world, when you look at this scripture from the eyes of other Christians, those Christians that were in that church last Easter in Sri Lanka, when a bomber bombed up their Easter service and 250 Christians were killed, they have a different perspective about Matthew 24 verse 9 than we do. Because when you ask them, do you know anybody that's been killed? They say, sure do. Do you know anybody has been arrested? We sure do. Do you know anybody that's been persecuted? He says, we're all persecuted because of Christ. Different perspective. Now, what's going on here? I, I want to share with you a few possibilities and and. And let's see if whether or not there is a plan unfolding around us that shows us that Satan is at work working towards persecution in our country that would cause us to say, perhaps we need to prepare. Perhaps we need to get ready. Now, if you were Satan or if I were Satan, if our group were Satan, if we were, if we really understood his playbook, if we understood his strategy, here's what I believe we possibly could see in our country. First, there would be an effort to group 
to label, to stereotype all Bible-believing, Jesus-loving people. I would, I would personally, I would label them. I would begin a narrative out there in the world. I would begin a narrative in the Facebooks. I would begin a narrative in, in, in legal matters. I, I would begin a narrative in organizations, and this is the narrative. All believers are Bible thumpers. All believers are simpletons. All believers are haters of science. All are hypocrites. All are self-righteous. All are backwards. All believers today are unrelevant to what's going on in our world. And they are sad, angry, repressed, intolerant, and perhaps for me, one of the worst things of all, we are boring. We just don't have any fun. That's what I would do first. The second thing that I would do is I would maximize all the failures and all the improprieties that the leadership of Christianity make. Here's what I would do. A preacher makes millions of dollars speaking, book sales, at his church salary. He just is in a mega church through his TV contract and all those things. And I would maximize how greedy he is. What an injustice. Lives in the multi-million dollar home, two or three kitchens in his house. He's got a couple swimming pools. He's got a jet. He's got an island. He's got all these things. He vacations all around the world. He shops on Raydale Drive. He's got all these things when there is hurting poor people in the world. I would maximize that. I would maximize what I would believe to be an impropriety. I mean, for in my personal opinion, it's not wrong for a preacher to have money, hint, hint. It's not wrong. It is wrong to have an enormous amount, however. It is wrong to have more than you need. It is wrong to have more than is. It's wrong for a preacher to live a life out of balance in comparison with things. Okay? But, but there's nothing wrong with a preacher living well. But I would maximize it. If any preacher stands up and says, I need a new Gulfstream and it costs $65 million, I'd maximize that. I would put that all over the world. I would make people see, look at the greed of these Christian leaders. If a Christian leader had a sexual relationship outside of marriage, I would highlight that. I mean, after all, all preachers are the same. All Christian leaders are the same. People that go to church and listen to these so-called men of God are all pawns. You're being duped. You're being fooled. You're being led astray. That's what I would do. I would maximize all the failures. And I would cause everyone to see that every preacher out there are the same. And you could accomplish that pretty easy in today's world. The third thing that I would do is I would marginalize the importance of Christianity in the world. Marginalize it. I would sew into the fabric of our society 
that what's wrong with society is Christians. And Christians don't have anything to offer our towns, our counties, our cities. Nothing to offer. Matter of fact, if you look closely at Christianity today and how church operate and what they do, they're really in the way. They're in the way of how life should be. They're intolerant. They're bigoted. They're racist. They're in the way. They, have, they believe in absolute truth and that's a real problem in our world today. You can't trust them. Their leaders are greedy. They are after your money. That's all they want is money. That's all they want is a good life for themselves, their Christian leadership. And, and, and they're abusing everything that they believe. They don't practice what they preach because they're a bunch of hypocrites. And, and since we haven't really found any really true Christians, Christians are a blight on our communities. It's just not healthy for anyone to listen to that Christian message. You hear any of that going on today? Used to be, when there was a crisis at the schoolhouse, if a kid took his life or a kid killed in a car wreck or some horrific thing happened, if a teacher dies or something like that, it used to be within the last 15 to 20 years, here even in our school district, it used to be that when that would happen, they would invite all the pastors in the area and we would go to the school and they'd ask us to stay at the school, and sometimes they would put us in a room, sometimes we'd be in the gym. They would put us somewhere where it, when the kids need someone to talk to, they could go to that pastor, to that counselor. That no longer happens today. The last crisis we had, I ran into one of our school officials and said, just want you to know that you know, it's Monday. I know it's going to be a tough day at school. You know, if you need us to do anything, we're willing to do that. I said, I can bring all our guys down and we'll sit. And I said, no, we have counselors coming in. And so what happens today, from my understanding, in our, in our school system, is that what you do is you bring in professional secular counselors from other schools, which is a good thing. I'm all in favor of that. However, you're not needed. We don't want any Christianity. We, and, and what they're saying is, we don't want the liability of having anyone up there that believes that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation because that's such a liability for our community. It's only taken a few years to accomplish that. But it's in place today. I can't believe we have prayer to football games. I've been to some football games and it's not a prayer. It's a time of silence. How did that happen? You go to some football games and they're really radical and the band plays Amazing Grace. I love that, by the way. It's something we can do. But that's what it's been falling down to. It used to be at public events, at ball games, at school functions, let's bow for a word of prayer but that's deemed as unhealthy. Hmm. When we were building this building, I, I, got an, uh, uh, I had a conversation this morning that guys were complaining about our sound system as always. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it is what it is. 
uh, our building is a, is a compromise at best on things, and so things are not the way they were supposed to be. But that's another story. Anyway, when we were building this building, we were stopped in the process. Our city hired a new engineer. And he stopped us. We already had a permit. We were already building. It was already happening. It already had some steel erected, and it was going. And we were stopped, and we had a series of meetings. And, and basically, at the end of all this, what this city engineer wanted was uh, over a million dollars worth of city improvements that we would make around this facility before we can finish this building. Well, we didn't have the money. Holy cow. I mean, that, that was be, that's, was a, we weren't told that at the beginning. That was a new thing they put in there. And so, you know, we were kind of at a standstill. And, and we did keep building, however. It was kind of an interesting tug of war that was taking place between us and the city. Now, I ran into that city engineer a few weeks later, and I sat down with him. And I said, sir, I'm Lee Brewer. He said, yes, I, re I remember you. I said, well, you know, that was a pretty awkward meeting that we had two or three in the morning. He said, yeah, it was. I said, do you mind telling me what your real issue is with our church? He said, I don't mind telling you. You have the best property in the city of Alito. Okay. He said, you offer nothing to the city of Alito. I said, what do you mean we offer nothing? He said, you have the best property. He said, if the city had that property, my stars, what we could do with that. We could have businesses there. We could have income coming to there. But since you offer nothing to our community, you're taking up the largest swatch of land and it's just a place for worship. You don't really offer Alito anything. You don't pay taxes. You don't do anything for the community. You just are there in the way of what our community wants for its future. Now, that's one man's opinion. And I know that the other people on the city issues and government back then didn't share that idea. But I tell you that story just to show you that mindset is in place. We don't pay taxes. We don't offer anyone anything. We're just in the way. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I believe that we will one day see, maybe not in my lifetime, maybe not in your lifetime, but maybe in some of your lifetimes, you will see that taking the church down is eminent domain. Just like they take a ranch to get a highway in somewhere, that people will come together and say, that church does not offer anything for our community, and they're going to take it down. You see, we used to enjoy that every community wanted churches. It wanted places. I remember when the Walsh Ranch development was taking place in its infancy stages, there was a couple of meetings and we were told that there were designated places for churches to be plugged into that huge development. When it all was said and done, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case. You would think that a developer would think about, now, they, they, for people to buy houses here, there needs to be schools, there needs to be grocery marts, 
There needs to be gas stations. There needs to be these stores, these you know amenities for people to live there. But church? No. Nah, not anymore. Used to. Not anymore. We value schools, but not a church. If I was Satan, that's what I would try to accomplish. I would marginalize the importance. I would make it no big deal. Fourth, I would work to make convictions of Bible believers and Jesus-loving activities criminal acts. That's what I would do. And, and probably, I would work towards labeling it as hate crimes. And, and it would take a while, and it might take five years, ten years, fifteen years. It may take some racist activities. It may take some, some, some Westboro Baptist Church type people. It may take some bomb abortion clinic type people. It may take some militia type people to lose their mind who, who claim to be Christians. I may have to wait and capitalize on the extreme movement of Christian people. But when they acted, and when they did criminal acts, then, you know what I'd do? I would stick it to them. And I would say, look here, that's hate crime. That's hate crime. The, the, the mayor of Houston a couple years ago, didn't work out for him, but the mayor of Houston said this, that they wanted to see and hear all the preacher's tapes so that the preachers that spoke against homosexuality, they spoke against same-sex marriage, they spoke against things that they saw as hate speech so they could have that information so that they could indict those pastors. Now, it didn't get anywhere, but it's just a beginning. It doesn't get anywhere the first time. These kind of what we would think is bizarre activities doesn't happen right away as Satan does it. He slowly introduces it into possibility. Did you ever think that we would have any legislative body that would say that pedophilia would not be a felony, it's just a misdemeanor? Well, here we have California now. No one would have ever thought that. If you'd have come to me 20 years and you'd have said, Lee, there's coming a day where a, a, a group of elected officials are going to come together and they're going to debate whether or not pedophilia is a felony or a misdemeanor. I would go, you've got to be kidding me. Lee, there's going to come a day where you are going to be indicted if you are not willing to marry a same-sex couple. You've got to be kidding me. There's no way that's going to happen. Yep, it's going to happen. Matter of fact, if you'd have come to me 20, 25 years ago and said, there's going to come a day that there's going to be an illness and they're going to forbid you from gathering together as a church. And they're going to tell you how to gather if you do. No, they're not. There's separation of church and state. They can't tell us what to do. Wow. Boy, 
Was I hoodwinked on that? Just beginning. Just beginning. Just beginning. Get ready. The door may not be open like it is in Yemen. It may be open like it is in China. It may not be open like it is in India today. It may not be open like it is in Sri Lanka. But that door for persecuting Christians in America is being opened. It is being opened. It's happening. And the fifth step, of course, is just all-out persecution. All-out persecution. Have you experienced pressure to not be public about your beliefs? Have you experienced scorn, ridicule because you believe in Jesus? Have you been told that you do not have the right to speak up concerning your convictions of what is right and wrong at work, school, in some public setting? Have you been passed over for a promotion at work because you do not participate in questionable activities with the other workers? And so you're being excluded. Have you been labeled as narrow-minded, bigoted, racist, intolerable because of your faith? Have you been labeled into a group that has nothing to offer the community? Do you sense that? Do you sense that being going on? Have you been somewhere and you stood up and you said, you know, the answer is faith in Christ and there was a hush? There was some scorn. There was some ridicule. There was some eye rolling. There was some just people taking a a step away from you and keeping you at a distance. Have you been lied about? Have you been slandered because of your faith in Christ? Have you been pigeonholed? Have you been just slandered with untruths because you believe. Very quickly, turn to Matthew chapter 5 and look at this. There are three things here that I want to leave you with very quickly. Things for you to chew on from Matthew 5, 10-16. First of all, you will be persecuted, so expect it and prepare for your response. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for theirs is the kingdom of God. God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. We may be in a land because of the government, because of the founding fathers, it was established that there would be the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, and that we would have a a boundary that protects us for a time that we would not be persecuted but, but it's being weakened. And we need to prepare ourselves. The Scripture says in verse 12, we are called on to endure persecution. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember that the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Prepare to be persecuted and understand that we're called on to endure persecution. And then Jesus adds to this conversation about persecution. We are just to be different than other people who are persecuted. We are to respond differently. He says because we are salt of the earth. 
But what good is it if salt has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Nothing makes salt unsaltier than persecution. When we are persecuted, Christians have a tendency to avoid it, to run away from it, to hide from it. And according to Scripture, it seems like to me like if you believe in Jesus and you seek to live a holy life, there's no question you're going to be persecuted. So if you want to avoid persecution, then be, then be a fence-sitter. Don't get too carried away about the things of Christ. Don't be open and public about your faith in Christ. But if you are open and public about your faith in Christ, you are going to be salt of the earth. And you need to respond in a certain way to persecution. Verse 14 says, You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So Jesus says, Blessed are you when you're persecuted because persecution brings you opportunity to be salt and light. Be happy about that. Leap for joy. Jump for joy. You are salt and light. You have purpose in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of the hatred that's going to be heralded at you. You are salt and light. You can jump for joy. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out. Be faithful. Rejoice, man. Give it your best shot. You are hated. Give it your best shot. You are mistreated, give it your best shot. You are arrested, give it your best shot. Rejoice, be glad. You are going to shine brightly for Christ. Let it happen. Get ready for persecution. Look forward to persecution, which is a crazy thought. That's the words of Jesus. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Now, I don't know why Satan likes persecution, but if you look at the history of the church, there's no question Satan likes persecution. But the truth is, when followers are salt and followers are life and, and, and followers of Jesus, when they rejoice when they're persecuted and they shine bright for Christ, God is seen. God is seen. You see, in the places today where there's the greatest persecution, there's a real activity of God. Maybe a hard place to be a believer. It's a hard place to be a Christian. But man, there's spiritual activity. So, we may not be being persecuted like they are in Yemen like they are in China, India, these other places of the world. However, I think there's evidence to show us that we need to get ready. We are being labeled stereotype. We are seeing the failures being maximized today. I believe that we've been marginalized. We're being marginalized. Slowly but surely, the body of Christ is being seen as less important than it used to be. Even from believers, it's being seen as less important. Have you noticed that the ball team's more important? Education is more important? The clarinet's, clarinet's more important? Everything's more important than the church, than the mission, than the gospel. It's going on. 
And you do see that there's more conversation from legislatures. That the acts of Christian people are bigoted, intolerant, and hateful. Even hateful that they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. I've heard that. There's nothing more hateful than people that will believe that if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you have no possibility of salvation. That's hate. We have nowhere to go. We believe that the only way of salvation is through Christ. Why do we believe that? Because that's what the Word of God says. That's what the red words of Christ says. So there is a collision that's right before us. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Are you preparing your children? Are you preparing your family for the. Are, are you preparing people to be hated? You're going to be hated. That's a real recruitment tool, isn't it? Rejoice, you're going to be hated. Let us get ready. Father, I pray Your will be done. In Jesus' name, Amen.